Welcome to The Daily Rewind, the show where we recap what happened today in baseball history. And we love to bring you voices from the past, so you can look for them at the end of the show. Now, everything you hear in today's show is on thisdayinbaseball.com, and of course, there's much, much more there. Um, the average day has hundreds of events, birthdays, debuts, and much, much more. Now, my name's Tom Hannon, and if you're new to the pod, what I do is simply go to This Day in Baseball's current day, and I share a few stories. And they could be birthdays, debuts, final games, passings. I love to highlight cool events, ironic history, and some flat-out historic stuff. Before I jump into today's events, if today is a special day, you can easily make it a lifetime memory by commemorating it. You can do this on thisdayinbaseball.com. You simply go to the dedication page, click on the link above the article. Every date, player, season, team, ballpark, it's super easy. And it's just $25 for the year and $50 for a lifetime. And you can put, add in a personal note that is going to show up on that page for a lifetime. Now, if you're interested, you can do it directly on the site. Or if you have questions, please reach out to me directly at tom at thisdayinbaseball.com. All right, let's get things going for November 5th. On November 5th, 1997, in an unprecedented move, Davey Johnson resigns the same day he is named the AL Manager of the Year. Despite the fact Johnson ended Baltimore Orioles' 13-year playoff drought in 96, and then he led the Orioles to the league's best record in 97, 98-64, a dispute over $10,000 in fines to second baseman Roberto Alma ends Johnson's reign in Baltimore. Johnson had directed the fines to be paid to a charity, but Orioles owner Peter Angelos is upset with the way the manor is handled, and Johnson ends up resigning. Amazing. And then on November 5th in 2010, one of the approximately 60 rare T206 Harness Wagner baseball cards are auctioned off by the Baltimore-based school Sisters of Notre Dame. It's acquired by... Sporting card store owner Doug Walton, who paid at the time a whopping $262,000 for the treasured piece of memorabilia. The school sisters of Notre Dame plan to use the windfall from the sale of the valuable card of the Pirates Hall of Fame shotstop to benefit ministries of the poor in 35 countries. Now that is putting a windfall to good work. Now today's player of the day I just want to note during yesterday's show, I made a mistake. It was not the birth of Pete Alexander. It was actually the passing of Pete Alexander. So today, I made sure I double-checked it. <laughs> and Lloyd Mosby uh, is the player of the day. And, you know, it's kind of cool because uh, as, a, as someone who grew up in the 80s, as a teenager uh, following baseball, uh, I, I don't think there was anything I followed as much as I did in baseball, certainly in the 80s. And... Um, I loved Lloyd Mosby, um, and he was just a—he was a really fun player to watch. And he was uh, born on November fifth, in nineteen fifty-nine. Now he was selected by the Toronto Blue Jays as the second player overall in the nineteen seventy-eight free agent draft. Mosby was rushed to the majors um, by the talent-hungry Blue Jays, of course, because they were a expansion franchise. And it, he was way above where he should have been, um, but he was rushed to the majors, and he was still a very talented center fielder. And he actually combined with Jesse Barfield and George Bell to form what was sometimes called the best outfield in baseball in the 80s. 
And in 1983, Mosby became the first Blue Jay to score 100 runs in a season. He tied teammate Damaso Garcia for the team record in league-leading 21-game hitting streak. Now, the following season, he tied teammate Dave Collins in the AL for triples, and he was a consistent run producer and stolen base threat for the uh, mid-'80s Jays, who became a very competitive team. Now, one funny story uh, about Mosby. It was in the bottom of the third inning on in August 16, 1987. It was a game against the White Sox at Exhibition Stadium. He had actually successfully stole second base in the third inning. Um, and then the throw from Fisk went into center field. But shot stop, Ozzie Guillen faked him out by acting as if the ball had been popped up. Thinking that he was about to get doubled off, he ran back to first base instead of taking the extra base. Uh, then the center field again, Williams threw to first, but he overthrew the overthrew first, went into the dugout, and then Mosby made it back safely to second. So Mosby ended up running 270 feet to get 90 feet, um, and he wasn't even credited with the stolen base because of what he had done. Uh, so he ended up going to second base on a throwing error. Uh, amazing story. Um, by the end of the decade, uh, the best outfield was dismantled. Uh, Barfield, of course, was traded to the Yankees. Um, an emerging prospect, Junior Felix, was gradually pushing Mosby out of center. And then um, Mosby ended up signing with the Tigers uh, in 1989. And when he left the Blue Jays, he was the career leader in games, at-bats, runs, hits, doubles, total bases, extra base hits, stolen bases, strikeouts, being hit by pitch, and sacrifice flies. So at the time, uh, it's safe to say he was the best player in Blue Jays history. Um, and, uh, and that's what I have about Lloyd Mosby. So if you want to listen, if you want to read some more stuff about him, there's a dozen really cool events that happened throughout his career. Uh, you can check out his page on thisdayinbaseball.com. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. There's also a link to November 5th. Um, and there's a link to, um, Hannes Wagner. Now, before I, before I get to today's great audio, um, speaking of Hannes Wagner, um, I just want to say, um, please like, follow, subscribe, and share our show. And if you have a special date, um, a date that you want to commemorate somehow or, you know, write some cool thing about. I mean, one of the things about Lloyd Mosby, uh, as I was researching him for today's topic, um, on October 4th of 1980, um, he was he yeah he actually went three for seven and hit a game tying home run in the ninth inning, and that was it, it was a doubleheader at Fenway Park, um, and I was actually at that game with my dad, so we were at that game. Uh, we were sitting in the um, uh, in the left field grandstand, and we and I got my very first ball from Willie Upshaw. So I actually um, wanted to commemorate that by writing a note on that, on that events um, page. So that's a cool thing you can do. You can write this note about maybe as a game that you got a ball at. I mean, that was a, that doubleheader, that game went 17 innings. Uh, you know, the Red Sox were winning in the ninth. They blew the lead uh, and it went 17 innings. We didn't stay for game two, unfortunately, because we already watched two games. <laughs> uh, my dad didn't want to stay. But uh, it was, um, you know, these are the cool things you can find on thisdayinbaseball.com. So if you find something like that and you want to do a, um, a dedication um, or make some type of note about, a, you know, some type of cool thing that happened, you know, please um, reach out to us. Um, add that add that in. That would be really cool stuff. Now. Now, finally, um, audio of the day, very rare, hard to find. Found it on YouTube. Uh, is uh, some audio from Hannes Wagner. It's a rare treat, um, and I hope you enjoy it. And I will see you guys on the flip side uh, 
hopefully for November 6th, tomorrow. Um, I'm trying to do this every day, and we'll see if we can make that happen. All right, have a great day, and we'll see you at the ballpark. The game we play today has developed out of the lives, the work, the spirit of the old-timers. It was a different game in those days, Red, a mighty different game. You bet it was, Leo, mighty different game. I know because I'm Hannes Wagner out here in Pittsburgh. I was playing ball before McKinley was elected president. Getting the game now is different. In my time, you got, you got in not because the book said you hit and such percentage that somebody looked your teeth and x-rayed your ankles or labeled you primaries of beef. They're just plain cows. You had to be tough in those days to get in. You had to fight. And you had to keep a fighting because all the teams were fighters. That's the way it went. Players have changed, too. Back in the old days, they were rough, ready, and tough. Today, a crowd of ball players standing in the hotel lobby looks like a bunch of young businessmen or college boys waiting around for co-ed. Some of them even wear ties. Today, most of the players in baseball are in it because of a well-paying job. And the players of today are really smart. They get the money. When I started to play ball, my first salary was $35 a month for Student Villa High in league ball. $35 a month. Take the bath, boy. Makes twice as much in these days. Baseball is a big business now, and the player deserves everything he gets. It's just like I miss the old rough and tumble. Maybe it's because I never got civilized. In my days, the Indians were still scalping the trappers out west, not wearing silk pants for a night game in the Yankee Stadium. <laughs>